This episode of the Adventure Jogger Podcast brought to you by Richie Blake, Matt fucking K, you are all awesome, John <laughs> motherfucking Dewey, <laughs> Kevin Dames, and Shay Bay. Thank you for being supporters on our Patreon, and thank you everybody who's taken the time to download this episode and take us along with you on a run or whatever you're doing. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Welcome to The Adventure Jogger. Glad to have you along for another episode. You know, I often sit around, well, not often, I think that'd be a lie if I said I sit around often and think of these things, but I, from time to time we'll think about what does the future look like for trail and ultra running is it a future that is more corporate more expensive more focused on the elite something that becomes the level of triathlons where it's out of the reach uh, for a lot of people who may discover the sport if it was more practical and then i hear about innovative things being done in other parts of the running world and it gives me hope that we're, we're going to be in just just fine shape. My guest tonight, he's an ultra runner, but he's the race director of a race called the Around the Crown 10K in Charlotte, North Carolina. They have cool things that they do, like a pay-what-you-can entry fee. How refreshing and cool is that? Also, uh, a first-timers training club through Features Socks, which is just it's fantastic. I'm going to let him explain all this stuff to you. He also, by the way, is the co-founder of the Low Impact Alliance. Their goal is to make races better for the planet by reducing waste and helping RDs find a way to make improvements towards carbon neutral races. My guest on this episode of the Adventure Jogger is Brian Mister. Hello, Brian. Howdy. Thank you for having me, Ryan. Really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for the kind words in the intro there. I, I feel like a superstar. Well, you kind of are, because these are some really cool <laughs> ideas. Um, before we, we get into that and 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 what you're doing and, and how cool these things are, I kind of want to talk about you, Brian, your running story. Have you always yeah. been a runner? You, you look like you always have. I, there's somewhere <laughs> in your house, there is a wall full of medals, uh, I, I'm pretty sure. But but give us give us Brian Mister's running story. Yeah, um, I think for me it is a it's a box full of medals that, and I'll explain how that ties into around the crown here in a bit as well. Um, and yeah, so my you know long story short of running is I got into it based on soccer. I was I was forced to run in yeah. soccer. I feel like that's a lot of the story for most people. And I've heard that story a couple of times, Brian. <laughs> right, it's soccer or lacrosse right, or baseball. This right. is the thing I was forced to do, and I never yeah. got into it. And then. In my last years of college, I went to UNC Charlotte here in, in Charlotte, and um, I I think I had a friend get me into a 5K, and I was like, all right, yeah, totally, I'll do it. And, and in North Carolina, of course, it was a barbecue 5K. So, like, it was called the hog jog, and at the end of it was just tractor trailers of, of barbecue pits, and you could smell it from a mile out. It was amazing. I was like, all right, well, you know, this isn't half bad. I'll, yeah. I'll give it a, you know, I'll, I'll keep this thing up. And then I think... Soon after that road race, I think I switched to trail for the next few years. Um, we have a facility here called the U.S. National Whitewater Center mm -hmm. that's 
gosh, probably like 1,500, 2,000 acres. I don't know that um, fact check me on that one for sure. But I, I know it's 50 miles of trails of mm-hmm. mountain biking and running. And I was like, cool, I'm going to go check that out. Like pace goes out the window, competition against other people kind of goes out the window. You have it against yourself for right. sure, but you can kind of joke around a little bit more out there and it, it was fun. And then to go into like the, the business side of it, um, in, in my senior year of college, I started doing some work with a local brewery here called Noda Brewing Company, which is an amazing job to have as a senior in college. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not terrible. And um, <laughs> That's a dream job. Was, if you would ask yeah. most seniors in college, like, what's your dream job? I'd like to do some work with a brewery. Yeah, for sure. And then, and then I was thankful that the owners allowed me to kind of combine two passions of drinking amazing, delicious beer and running. Mm-hmm. And I would go out every, at the time it was actually every Tuesday and I'd, I'd go on a run into uptown Charlotte and then back and I'd have a beer and some people would meet me there. And then it turned into this thing like, all right, well, Hey, three people could join and Hey, 10 people could join. And then it turned into this pretty big club that we'd met every Wednesday. And, um, it quickly went from like three to 13 to 30 to 300 people in like a matter of a month. And then that year we put on our first 5k of a thousand people. I was like, Oh wait, there's like a whole industry within marketing, which is what I got my degree. in. I was like, Oh, this sports marketing thing that I'd kind of heard touches of like, I'll check this thing out. Yeah. And, uh, that's what got me into it from the the business side of it. And then from the running side, I kind of just kept progressing. Like, I don't want to do a 5k, maybe I'll do a 10k. I don't want to do a 10k. Maybe I'll do a half marathon. And like, you just, keep working your way at the ladder. And next thing you know, I've done a couple 50 milers now and working my way towards more and more fun things. So we were talking before I started recording, your wife bears the blame for you being an ultra runner. Is what, what, What's the story behind that? Yeah. I mean, I, I could definitely place some of it on her in a couple ways. And some of the things we did not talk about and some of them we, we did, but one reason I'll, I'll blame her for all of this um, craziness is she came to the table when we met uh, close to 10 years ago of uh, now it, I feel like it's pretty popular running like a half marathon in every state or running a full mm-hmm. or running a 50 K whatever it is. It's like, all right, cool. That sounds fun. Sounds like a good way to see the city or the cities and states. And we started doing that and it got to the point where we would want to knock out multiple states in one trip. And I would do Utah, Arizona, Colorado mm-hmm. in a matter of three days. And it's like, Oh, that was cool. Like, wonder if other people run a couple half marathons in a weekend type of deal. And you find out about the ultra running side of things. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was totally part of it. And then um, we got married in Phoenix, Arizona, where she is from, which is where um, era Vipa running is uh, headquartered and got to go to some of the run clubs and some of the races. And uh, I'm, I'm hooked and they, they put on a, a premiere show for sure. Okay, I have to ask because you are the person who could be considered an expert in this. Oh no! Your your wife is from Arizona. You call Charlotte, North Carolina, home. So obviously, she moved with you to Charlotte. Is it hotter? Did she complain more about the heat in Arizona, or does she find it more unbearable in the heat and humidity of the beautiful American South? She despises the heat in the beautiful American South. <laughs> she, she, I mean, she talks about Arizona. She's like, I, I would just go outside and stand there because it just felt like a nice warm blanket that was hugging me. I'm like, honey, it's, it's 116 degrees. This is not a hug. This is like a full on, they're going to take you down a back corner and and not be nice to you. Um, and yeah, and so she, she came out here for work before we had met, like maybe a few months before we met and then we, we met and, you know, we stayed out here and I've been here for 12 years. She's been here for like nine or so and we go back every now and then and it's interesting to run in 118 120 degree heat and 
you just don't feel it as fast. Whereas in the, the beautiful American South, the second you step out, it's a punch in the face. Uh, it's a punch <laughs> in the face and not a nice way. They don't warn you about it. You open the door and they just crack you. Pop, right, yeah. hundred percent. Right. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about, by the way, you are getting ready for the Javelina 100. That's something you're training for, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I got to do hill repeats today and it was just a blast in this, uh, attic of a weather and, uh, <laughs> yeah, it'll be, it'll be my first hundred and, um, training's going well. Got a coach for the first time. That's super helpful. Nice. Um, the other ones I was just dumb and kind of stumbled my way into it and it, it worked out well enough that I wanted to keep trying this wild world. But just get your eating down. I found that that's the big deal is, is the eating thing. And I find that great runners who can't, conquer the nutrition become horrible runners in 100s and mediocre runners who can conquer nutrition become great runners in 100s she has been letting me focus on that a lot um and and i and i love it i enjoy crushing tailwind and birthday cake goo and and then also the the real food as well um so i don't mind it and and thankfully i had some friends with me at the last 50 miler down in um Georgia, uh, Georgia jewel, pretty mm-hmm. cool. And, um, women owned yes. race and just do some, do some really fun stuff. Jenny um, Baker. Yep. She's fantastic. She is fantastic and put on an amazing race. Mm-hmm. Um, and the year I did, it was out and back. Cause it was a uh, COVID protocol. Mm-hmm. Um, but so fun. And, my, and thankfully my friends were there kind of telling me the same thing. Like, Hey dude, I'm going to shove this in your mouth. I hope you chew it kind of thing. And you better get on to the next aid station where I'm going to shove more peanut butter and jelly in your mouth. <laughs> By <laughs> the way, real, real quick aside, whoever, whoever came up with the birthday cake goo needs to be fired and never allowed to make a, a supplement <laughs> again. Like, oh man, done. it is it is my favorite, and I, and I get push, I get pushback on this all the time. I'm also the person that likes pineapple pepperoni pizza, so like I know I'm a weirdo. Well, no, I like that too. There's nothing wrong okay, with pineapple okay. on the pizza, it. but 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 here's the thing: we may have just we may have just opened ourselves up. Thank you so much, Brian. I'm going to get mm-hmm. the worst reviews on on iTunes ever because you in a roundabout way compared pineapple pizza to birthday cake goo. This needs to go on like an Instagram story poll, like see where it kind of leans out at, see where the scales take us. I'm going to have to ask my daughter how to do that. (laughs) For sure. For sure. I love it. Yeah. I, man, I love the sweeter goo than the, every now and then I'll, I'll dabble in the, was it triberry or something like that? Oh God. That's about as as close as I'll get to the other side of the the realm. Um, You know, birthday cake all day. I tried it. I tried it to eat as much real food as I can. But for me, and, and, and hopefully this will you know, redeem myself in the ears of, of the goo people, but in, in, in winter races, in, in fall and winter races, there's nothing better than a salted caramel or caramel, depending on what type of person you are, goo. Those are the bomb diggity. Those are, those are delicious. We can meet in the middle there for sure. Um, <laughs> salted, salted caramel. The other one, I wasn't sure if you're going to go the direction, the, um, the little cubes that they make too, the salted watermelon they have. Yeah. That's another one that I can get down with every now and then. Very, very tasty stuff there too. I love that because, you know, 10 years ago, don't worry, people, we'll get to the point eventually, but we're having a nice little chat here. 10 years ago, you had goo and then you had a couple other people making some, you know, you had maybe Gatorade and maybe a Tailwind came along, but now there are so many different 
nutritional supplements. So there's different goos. There's different, you know, drinks. There's so much out there. And there's some really good stuff. I mean, there's some garbage, but there's some really good stuff as well that you're like, oh, well, this is great. How I've had to like, like, like struggle to get down Gatorade in, in races where now they have things that are just so much better, go down so much easier, taste so much better, even as far as like the goo thing as well. We don't have like five flavors of gels to choose from anymore. We have hundreds of flavors to gel of gels to choose from. I I'm overwhelmed by it when I go to like a local running shop to the point where I feel like I'm in the pasta aisle where it's just like, I want angel hair spaghetti and red sauce. Can I have that? And you've given me 200 options. So I think I just don't even, I don't even look anymore. I just get tunnel vision and I, and I grab the salted caramel, Mm -hmm. the birthday cake, the triberry. And I, and I don't even look around. I can't because I'll just, I'll, I'll pass out. You know, at your local running store, they're probably like, why do we keep stocking these birthday cake goose? These things, nobody wants these. And they go, there's one guy. So one guy comes in, tall guy, little thin. I think he's a race director. Buys a box. (laughs) Buys the whole dang box. And we will keep bringing these in as long as this guy keeps shopping here. We'll keep getting those those birthday cake goose. So (laughs) so where where does the race director in you come out? When do you decide that? I want to answer emails from people upset about the cut of t-shirts for three months. Well, what, what, what did you decide you want to do that? I've never heard that email before. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> we, we've never heard that at all ever in my tenure of eight years of race directing. Um, yeah, a hundred percent. That's, that's the main email I get. Um, it started, yeah, with Noda Brewing. So I had that 5k mm-hmm. we did. And, and I wasn't the race director there, but I helped a lot because yeah. I knew the people and I knew the the marketing side of it. And we brought on a, a really cool company that we actually still work with and helps us manage the, the timing and all that for our race. Um, so I did it there. And I think that was like my first drip. And then uh, soon after that, I'm trying to think, it's probably a year or so, I got a job at the Whitewater Center, which I was just talking about. Yeah. That's just the most amazing backyard for adults. It's... 125 taps of, of craft beer. It's a full scale restaurant with then three other kind of side shops. There's 50 miles of trails. There's zip lining, there's whitewater rafting. There's a natural river for paddleboarding, climbing. I mean, it, it has anything you'd ever want to have in, in a day. It's, it's yeah. there. And I became kind of a race director role slash marketing out there for all these random races we were doing, be it stand up paddleboard or um, climbing or, or running. Yeah. And um, did that for a few years and loved it. Um, but realized I really wanted to be in running, um, and then kind of narrowed it down from there. And, um, I was with the Charlotte marathon for a while, doing some race directing or marketing there. Um, yeah. not race directing as much as the marketing is, it was a, it was a bigger setup. So we had, you know, multiple employees, which right. is amazing. Um, yeah, <laughs> you have to always answer the t-shirt email. Sometimes you could, <laughs> you could pass that one off. You have an intern for uh, that. Answer those t-shirt emails intern. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and then, yeah, right after that, I mean, not right after that, I mean, a few years, we, my wife and I had this idea of, of our now race around the crown of shutting in the highway in Charlotte and just being completely different. And, um, I won't get into that too much yet. I'll, I'll wait for, for later questions, yeah. but I mean, yeah, that's kind of the, the gist of the, the story of it. And it's, it's my love and passion for running, but also for Charlotte, I think mm-hmm. is where it comes in too. Okay. What's the strangest complaint email you've received from a runner? Honestly, my brain does go to t-shirt ones and and we would get videos of people trying them on in front of their mirror and saying like, see, this doesn't fit. I told you, you guys chose the wrong shirt. I'm like, 
ma'am, you're taking your shirt. Like, this is really awkward. And I, I like, can't, I don't want to watch the video. I can't like, this is not user-friendly. Um, I'm not, that one's been odd. Um, last year, this wasn't an email, but this was an odd experience. Our, our, not last year, our inaugural year, we have to, we have to shut down the highway pretty early because it takes so long to kind of get all that going. Yeah. So we went to go to the park to get that ready. It's, it's, it's early for normal people, not so crazy for race director time. It was like 3 a.m. or so. And there was a gentleman out in just a robe and a samurai sword practicing. <laughs> and we had to ask him to leave because we were setting up a race. And honestly, like he, he wasn't doing anything wrong, but he also wasn't really like doing anything right either. Uh, it was a, that was a weird one for sure. Um, and that's the fun of it, right? Right. And there's nothing that can prepare you for that. Like there's nothing, right. there's no training. There was nothing in college that could prepare you for that of finding a man along your course route in a bathroom <laughs> practicing with his samurai sword. <laughs> I mean, 3 a.m. is the time to do it, you know? Right. He had to, he had to get out there. Excuse um, me, Shogun. Excuse me. We, ha- we have to ask you to just kind of move move the whatever Take it is your you're doing real <laughs> <laughs> <So> quick <laughs> yeah. uh, I, i'll have to think on that i may have to email you a couple just just for not even for this interview just so you can get a good laugh out of it um because i have had a, a fair share i need to start like starring them and putting them in a mailbox just have a little folder a little mailbox somewhere where you can just kind of use those to laugh you know it's you mentioned the t-shirts i joked about the t-shirts i'm finding that more and more race directors especially when it comes to uh, tech shirts have just said fuck it you're getting cotton t-shirts because mm-hmm. of just the cuts being so different being so unpredictable that once they decided like you know what you're just getting cotton the the number of complaints drastically dropped when everybody got a cotton shirt as opposed to tech shirts it seemed like almost tech shirts were more trouble than they were worth i, I would uh, wholeheartedly agree with that because to get a good tech shirt that you're not going to feel like you're wearing a garbage bag is going to cost the race director 15, 20 bucks. So right. how are you going to make up your margin and charge 30 to 40 bucks for that thing when you're giving a, a $75 half marathon? Like, it's, right. geez, you just can't do it. And I do think it, since you've gone there, I'll, I'll take it there as well. I think the like the, the give a fuck meter got pretty low. Like it was, <laughs> it used to be here. And then like for things like that, it, it went down quite a bit. It was it was lower than than old standards. They give a fuck meter. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. Brian. So let's talk about around the crown. What makes this 10K? Just let's talk about the course uh, first off. What inspired you to make the course what it is, and kind of give us just a little overview of the course? Yeah, certainly. So I mean, the idea came not like the when do we start it thing, but the idea of, of doing this race and like giving or gosh, not giving, yeah, maybe giving this, this idea to Charlotte was when we were creating it, and maybe this is still a little bit true in Charlotte. Um, people, people would train in Charlotte and they would love running in Charlotte, but they wouldn't race in Charlotte because there wasn't like a massive keystone race, like a yeah. peach tree with 60,000 or a Cooper river with 40,000 or Nashville rock and roll or or something like that. There was never a a large race. And that's, I mean, that's still true in North Carolina. Um, We have the Christy, Krispy Kreme uh, 5k that's or 10k. Um, It's a good time, but still like the numbers weren't there for a a large, large race. And I enjoyed going to the other races. Um, 
However, I, I, like I said before, like I love Charlotte and I want Charlotte to have something like this. So we were trying to think of like, all right, what distance do we want to do? What kind of race do we want to do? And, um, we were driving on 277 one day after a concert. I don't even remember who it was now. And, um, we were, we were stuck in traffic and I was like, this is so dumb. Like, I'm going to, honey, I'm going to get out and I'm going to race you home. I'm going to get on the highway and I'm nearly positive. I can, I can beat you home. Yeah. And, um, my wife told me no, um, <laughs> probably because I had a couple, a couple beers that night, um, which was smart, but that idea stuck of like, what if we shut the highway down one time slash, like, what if we open up the highway? What if we use it for a different purpose? That's so fun. Um, and then, it, and then those two things kind of clicked of like, we need a keystone race that's, um, approachable. Um, and we want to do something different. We don't have a bridge here like Charleston. Um, I think with Peachtree, it's just been around so long with Boulder, Boulder, there's kind of the elevation draw and the Memorial day draw. So we were like, okay, cool. Like a lot of these races are on holidays. What can we do there? So we ended up on labor day, shutting down Charlotte's inner beltway. Um, and throwing a few thousand runners out there um, and having just a, a freaking blast with it. So our race is every day, Labor Day weekend, um, which is a pretty big weekend in Charlotte, most weekend or most years. And this year's a good example. So Friday night is Red Hot Chili Peppers in the Panther Stadium. Um, Saturday night is a college kickoff game with uh, two HBCUs this year, which is yeah. awesome. And then Sunday morning is our race. Uh, so it's, I mean, it's just, it's, it's bang after bang after bang. And it's starting to be kind of coined Charlotte's largest sporting event weekend kind of thing, or largest yeah. sporting weekend and things like that. So we, I mean, we're the, we're the little guy in that for sure. Like we're not pulling red hot chili pepper numbers. Right. Um, not, not yet. Um, soon enough, we'll, uh, have some fun with flea on base and all that good stuff. But. Well, I just want to point out, uh, Brian wants you to know if you are going to Charlotte for Labor Day weekend and you are planning on seeing the red hot chili peppers, you cannot wear you can't dress like Flea. There's no just a sock allowed at the around the crown 10K. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Um, to go back down the other rabbit hole real fast, I thought it was hilarious reading Havelina 100's like event guidelines and things like that. And they said that there's only one rule and it's no full frontal nudity. Other than that, do what you want. So out there, I think they do have Flea protocol. Um, and you can, I assume, you know, have at it. So good on them. Um, this could really, this could really make a market and you may want to dial in on this. Cause I know there's, we were talking about just the, the variety of, of nutrition, you know, between the drinks and the, and the gels and all that stuff. And now you're seeing more and more variety in the apparel as well. I mean, you know, back in the day you had Patagonia and maybe Brooks and that sort of thing. But I think this opens the market for, especially for Javelina to team up with somebody for the assless running shorts. You know, like, like little windows or something just for Javelina. Yes. I think that fits the theme of Arizona, like kind of cowboyish yeah. a little bit. Too. Yeah. I think it could play. Call yeah. the, the rabbit. Rabbit can do them. They can call them the rabbit cheek peekers is what they can do. It gets a little, 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 little peek. Yeah. You can go ahead and just put that on your tab. I mean, I think they should, they should go ahead and pay you for that one. <laughs> <Nearly> positive. <laughs> The cheek beakers coming soon from Rabbit. Uh, There's I no pockets, folks. No, 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 no. Unfortunately, you've lost the pockets. You have, you have gained a lot, though. You have. You're, it was really, you're going to be cool. You're going to have the coolest cheeks in all of Arizona. <laughs> oh, that, was, that was a good rabbit hole to go down. I'm okay with it. Yeah, let's just call this podcast rabbit holes. So, yeah. so here's the here's the cool thing. So ten ten years you've been doing this race, right? 
Uh, no, sorry. So I've been in I've been in like race directing for like ten years. Okay. This race, this will be our fourth year doing it. How in the hell do you have thousands of people running a race four years in? Um, it's it's a that's a fair question. Um, I I think it's kind of a and, and you probably have to ask someone else to to uh, I don't know clarify this or fact. Are you busting here, but, people like homeless people and saying you will you will run this race? We got to get these numbers up. You will finish. This is where the finish line is. If you want to go back uh, in a meal, this is where you got to go. Not, not quite. Um, we do a lot of work with the homeless though. I will say that. And they're amazing. And we have an amazing nonprofit that helps us yeah. out and gets people, uh, kind of off the streets through running. And that's Good. a whole other story. Good. That's super fun. Um, but to, to, I mean, hit on the numbers, like I almost, I almost feel like it's one of those like FUBU things. Like it was a for us by us. Like mm-hmm. I was, I was a part of the running community for so long. And then it was, uh, Hey, one of your, one of your kinsmen is going to go put this thing on. Do you, do you want to kind of support him a little bit? And we very much looked at this opportunity as a community event, not as a race. Like it, there are very few things on our website regarding how fast you can run or the top time or anything like that. Yes. There's, there's awards and we love people that run fast, but this is more of a community celebration. Mm-hmm. And, and what can that look like? So I think it was, I think it was a couple parts of things. I, I happen to be friends with a lot of the running community and they are absolutely amazing. And I love hanging out with them and, and same with my wife and my family. We have three kids and we're just always out with them running. So we're seen around a lot. And I think between that and um, I mean, we, we had amazing sponsors in the beginning too, that really wanted to, to shine a light on us and, and still, um, <clears throat> and I think it was just a whirlwind of those things that our first year we had 5,000 people show up and it was, it was the coolest thing. I mean, I, I still had a job when we launched registration. I, I, uh, I say, I, I guess I still have a job now, but an, an actual like job, not a, right. a race director yeah. only role. Right. Um, and I told my, my boss at the time, I was like, guys, I got to put in like a, like a four month notice. I've got to imagine this thing's going to do well in like about four months and I, I'll probably need to step away and I'll, I'll have to figure it out. Like, I just want to let you know now. Yeah. And we opened up registration and we had a thousand people in the first like week and a half. And I was like, I got to go. Like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to do this thing, but I got to jump off this cliff and see where I land. Um, so we did. I mean, we, when we kicked it off too, we kicked it off at the brewery that I, I used to work at. It was a $25 entry. And if you showed up that night, it was 20 bucks. So like 20 bucks for a 10 K on a highway is, you know, unheard of. Yeah. So we had that, I think that first night we had 400 people sign up kind of thing. So then knowing how marketing works today, that's all over social media. So then the next day there's another 300 people. The next day there's another 300 people. And that first week, so we only held our opening prices for one week at 25 bucks and we got everyone in. Uh, or uh, we got a lot of people into that rate thinking word of mouth marketing is the strongest marketing you have. So if we have these people in and they're talking about it, even though the race is still seven months away, they're going to convince some friends and family members that they need to come do this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it worked. Um, and, and we've just had a blast with it then. So I think it's, a, yeah, it's a whirlwind of having some fun with marketing. Cause that's my background being a friend in the community and then just amazing sponsors kind of pushing that word. Well, because you got to think so many times, Brian, when when someone launches a race, when someone decides, I want to you know, take it upon myself to create an event for people to enjoy. And all that goes into that. You pour your heart and soul into it. You got a great race course. You meet with all the people you need to meet with to get everything signed off so you can actually have it. And then you, you got the great catchy name. And, and then all of a sudden you put it out into the world. And you never know how the world's going to react to your baby. 
Yeah. A lot of times the world rejects your baby and has no interest in your baby. And it's like, you got like, right. You have three people. Your mom has signed up. Her best friend, Nancy, has signed up. And then some person who just seemed to find it on the internet the wrong time. If three people signed up for your race, you know, and, and it just yeah. it doesn't doesn't happen. Yep. You do this. And I'm sure having a marketing background helps quite a bit. But you, you put your baby out into the world and then you've got thousands of people want to kiss the baby. That had to be <laughs> like, did you have to go like, is this right Am I getting, are, are the, are the numbers wrong? Is this spreadsheet wrong? Is this sign up uh, service oh, that I'm totally. using wrong? What's going on here? We second, third, fourth guess this thing. I don't know how many times. Um, and I think we were fortunate then that we did not have kids. So we weren't as concerned about like, you know, is, is if we don't have income, how bad is this going to be? Because right. we had the discussion before I left the, let's call it the corporate world. I'm yeah. not really corporate, but a, a full-time gig and kind of said like, all right, let's play that scenario out. If everything goes wrong, this is a failure. Um, we, we lose money. Um, the world hates us. AKA Charlotte hates us. We can't put on another race here. Like, what does that look like? What do we do? And we're like, right. we'll just move with our parents and figure it out from there, I guess. And we're like, that's not so bad. Let's try it. Right. And that was, kind of, that was, that was like pretty much the entire conversation. Um, and once you kind of just throw it into the wind, it's like, you don't, you're not scared anymore. Almost once you've, yeah. you've thrown out the worst case scenario and yeah. there's probably, you know, there's probably a lot worse case scenarios than that, but in our minds, that was it. And it's like, all right, we got nothing to lose. Let's go for this. Um, and, and it, it kind of all, all the puzzle pieces just ended up fitting in. Um, and, it, and it was, it was one of those things where like, it seemed like each week something else cool was happening. And I remember one week, like we had two or three like large sponsors reach out and it's like, wow, we, we needed them. We don't know how much, we didn't realize just how much we needed them from a cash standpoint and from a marketing standpoint. But like, we now recognize that that, was massive in the first year. And then it was like the following month, we had this idea of sustainability and we'll go down that road. And the next thing you know, we have this whole new pillar to our business and it's, it's shooting out a new message into the world to different people that we weren't originally talking to. So now all these like crunchy granola hippies are signing up for a race because they love it too. And we're like, wait a second, we didn't realize how crunchy we were, but we totally are. <laughs> um, and it just, yeah, it, it was, it was cool. And it, it probably my like blind optimism led me there and my wife making all of my really dumb ideas look really good. Um, combination of those things I think worked out. So the, the first year the race happens, you know, it is the morning of you've, the course is marked, you know, the, the, the packets have been sent out. You now have thousands of runners at the start line of this thing you came up with. <laughs> For you as a race director, take us back to the moments before the gun went off at your first around the crown. It was it was wild. Um, the things I remember the most are getting there super early, samurai guy. Um, and then I think one thing realizing like, we didn't ask for enough volunteers out here. Like I'm, I'm sweating my tail off, pushing bananas up a hill, like a, a pallet of bananas to get to the finish line in time. I know they haven't gone off yet, but I, they need to be here for when people get back. You know, I got to do this and that. And, um, and then it's like the, the, the eye of the storm comes over 
and you're just in this calm place. And I'm standing there with my wife, um, who at the time, gosh, I'm trying to remember we, but then we did have one child and second was on the way or something. I actually don't remember now, but, um, you waste no time. <laughs> no, no. Um, so I, the storm comes over and it's just like this calmness of like, there's nothing stopping us now. Like it's happening. It, it's going to go and we just got to be cool with it. And the next thing I really remember was, so, um, well, I was talking about it earlier, but like our course shuts down the main inner beltway in Charlotte called I-277. And so, so half of the race is, is through the streets of uptown Charlotte and half of it's on this interstate. So you run about a mile and a half before you get on the highway, but you kind of like loop around a little bit and then you, you get back to the highway. So we were able to walk over to the, one of the overpasses within a quarter mile Yeah, and just watching people come under us. I mean, my wife and I just cried. We we're like, this is insane. Not even, it wasn't even like a, like a sad or a happy cry. I was just like, this is so silly. Like who let us do this? This right. is so funny. Um, and we, we loved it. We just started cheering people on. Like we were at someone else's race and then we immediately had to run back to the finish line, <laughs> get everything ready for awards and whatnot. But it was, it was so cool. Um, and, and I think we still have that, that feeling. Either of us have yet to run the race. Um, so we just kind of hang out during it. We go over and take some quick pictures on the highway. And then we, we sprint back to the finish line. So we get a little like two mile dash in going from each side of the highway. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's so freaking cool. And, and honestly, like to experience that with your partner is it takes it to another level for sure. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. When did the idea for a pay what you can entry fee come into the equation yeah uh man a couple couple things kind of collided for that one which is awesome so one of our beneficiaries we have three beneficiaries um one of them is a a nonprofit called carolina farm trust Mm -hmm. and to to simplify what they do um they're trying to kind of fix the food system and, and fix food deserts around charlotte where there's not um great options to to get solid groceries other than a family dollar or a dollar general. So, you know, try to set up an urban farm in those areas of create jobs and create a farmer's market and everything else. Um, they do farm to table dinners and they do a pay what you can entry because they know the neighborhoods they work in um, are lower income neighborhoods. And they want these people to experience a farm to table dinner that is typically, let's say minimum 150 bucks. Yeah. Um, so they they have, they have they do it a couple different ways. They do um, kind of like tiers. I, I've seen them do on some events where it's like 150, that's the, that's the full event. If you want to help us support what we're doing, our mission, pay these chefs appropriately, this is what you pay not quite available for that. Here's a hundred, here's 75, here's 50, here's 25. Right. And, and then they have a pay what you can on top of that too. Um, and I think that what's cool about the way they do it because they're so transparent with it. I think some people do pay what you can and do a $300 and just say, send this on to the next person. You right. Know, right. This helps you continue to do what you're doing and get in the next person. Right. Um, so we saw it there and we talked about this with, with our, our, our um, title sponsor, Truist and they're, they're like, their sports marketing team and then the marketing firm they work with we're like we should we should do that like this is so cool why don't why don't we do something like that and then truist will kind of back that up on the, on the back end so we get paid appropriately they get a really cool activation out of their sponsorship and marketing yeah and then we get new people to our race that have that that massive barrier of, of payment for a new hobby um that They've been wanting to get into it, but as much as we say running is just a pair of shoes and get on the road, it's it's so much more than that. Right. Um, I mean, there are definitely financial pressures to that. There's uh, there's there's a there's a lot more to it than that. Um, so it's it's really cool to be able to offer that this pay what you can entry. And, and now because of the way we have to set it up in registration, it allows 
someone who's not registering under that event, if you will, that sub event to donate to it as well. So we see people donating to this, this nonprofit pretty much called pay what you can to help someone else get into the race. So people can pay as little as like five bucks because that's our processing fee. And um, we have people run our race. It's currently at 50 bucks and they'll pay five bucks. And we, the, I think the best part of the whole thing is no one knows. We don't know. We right, you don't have, right, right. You have different colored t-shirts like, hey, the parents yeah. you can't, people are wearing pink shirts. So you know, it's, yep. it, well, that is so cool. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's wonderful. And, and, and some of the reason we want to do it is um, we really are trying to make our start line look like our community. And, and right now, if you, if you look at a race, um, you look at the start line, it is elite white males. And um, we kind of want to make that different because that's not what Charlotte looks like. And we want to be Charlotte's race. Right. So we, we've got to look like Charlotte. Um, and how, what are some ways we can do that without just saying we want that? That doesn't right. work. You, right. You, you've got to have action behind it. And this is, this is one of the routes we go. We do a few things um, to try to make it as equitable as possible. Um, and it's, it's worked out so well in the lower income neighborhoods and the zip codes that we know are associated with that. We've seen, um, gains each year, um, since this has come on board and it's, it's awesome to see that. No, it's not going to be the top 10 zip codes, but it's not the last zip code anymore. And it's one of the higher growth zip codes now too. Um, and that's just exactly what we were aiming for. When you, when you launched this, I'm sure there was some talk about, how much profit of the race do we lose? You look at the hard numbers. Sponsors want the hard numbers. Um, did you notice from the year before you launched the pay what you can entry fee to the year you actually launched it? What was the difference like when it came to the bottom line? Um, you know, I, I've done some diving in on that, but not a ton. I, I don't think it's changed much because truest that that lead sponsor we have is is backing us up by saying hey we're going to take some of our activation dollars within our sponsorship and make up the difference tell us what the difference is up to x amount you know it's not an unlimited budget right. of course but tell us what that difference is and 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 we'll we'll back it and let's have some more fun with that and we you know that was the start of it and it's kicked into these other pieces too where we're now doing what we call truest training tours around the city where we're going into neighborhoods that you don't typically see running races in or running routes in or runners in, in general. Um, and it started from a geographic standpoint and now it's just changed into a, who are the, who are the marginalized groups in running that mm -hmm. maybe don't get the love that they deserve? Yeah. Um, and, and how can we, Oh, I hear, I hear kids laughing in the background. There's happy I kids. Sure you hear that or not. I, apologize. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. It's um, a little past bedtime. So they're probably like in that just, sleep deprivation high right now the god honest truth is there is there anything brian sound wise better than like legitimate little kid giggles of joy no nothing at yeah. all my 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 second reaction was like gosh i'm upset like i hope this doesn't uh, you know mess with the podcast my first reaction is like ah there they are i miss those guys <laughs> pure uh, pure joy yeah. i absolutely love it um, yeah yeah it's wonderful but it's it, it's just it's it's been so fun. Mm -hmm. So the, the, you're seeing the growth in the areas you wanted to. It, and I, I, I wonder if you if you dug into those numbers, giving people the option to pay more to offset that cost. I, I would wonder how that would balance out too, because I, I we haven't touched on this yet, but I think it's important. The work that you're doing about making running more accessible to people in your community. You are. You are 
changing the world by changing your community. You you saw issues in Charlotte and, and you are addressing those issues. But running has a benefit. And the running community overall, being a part of it has a benefit. Why do you feel it's important to get as many people as possible into the running world? Yeah, um, great question. I heard two in there, so I'm going to try to answer the first one in an attempt to remember the second one That's okay. uh, but, before I get through it. So, so first thing you said there is just like, you know, talking about people paying it forward, if you will. Yeah. Um, so we saw that average rate go up this year. So we can look at what's the average price getting paid for the pay what you can entry. I think year one, it was like 16 bucks. And I think this year it's up to like 22 or 23 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's still growing because people are still adding money to it, um, which is amazing. Um, I think we're up to, I think it's like $2,500 donated last time I checked um, towards it, which is so cool. And we have, um, the other side of it is, so because we don't check, like there's no there's no background check or, right. you know, are you just a, a silly high school kid thinking you can get away with it? And yeah, you totally can get away with mm-hmm. it. There's, an, I have no way to check if you're, you are valid for this. If you're, you know. If Elon Musk's children only want to pay $5 to run your race, they're going to run the race for five bucks. You're not checking. No, no. no. Will SpaceX be a sponsor next year? Yes, <laughs> I will make that happen. Um, uh, but that was really cool. And then the other side we've seen is like from the transparency side is we had someone reach out just last week on Instagram and is like, I'm so sorry. I accidentally signed up for this and I had, I did not know what I was doing. I, I clicked it and then I got to the end and it said, how much do you want to pay? And I, I put in a number. I don't even remember what I put. And I, I realized now like what this is and what this is really great how can I, I like, do you want to kick me out? What do you want to do? And I was like, Oh, like, here's a link you can donate right now. And she went back in and donated to it. And it's, it's so cool to see when you put yourself out there, what runners will do back. Yeah. And when you've, when you've created that level of trust, everyone kind of rises to that level. And that's been amazing to see. Um, the second question that you had there was I'm trying to remember the running remember? community. Yeah. Why is it important for you oh, to yeah. bring as many people as possible from, I mean, just from all corners of Charlotte into yeah. the running community? Yeah. And and I love the question because there's a, there's a background to that. And I don't know how many people have asked that. Um, so I really appreciate it. Uh, I think what sticks in my head, and, and I'm not saying this because they are a sponsor, but I love the message that Brooks has. So the main message is run happy. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that is we think a run can make a, a day better, a life better, a business better, you know, whatever it is, they go into kind of different scenarios mm-hmm. for that. Um, and I, I just completely butchered it, but that idea is, is incredible to me. And I completely agree. When I get done a run, I am in a different headspace. I'm not only am I like just happier, I'm a better parent, I'm a better husband. I also like have been able to take mental notes about my job. I can think about what I need to get done that day. I'm, I'm more efficient. I, my, I'm clear. And if everyone in my community can get clearer by going on a run, how much better would my community, my city be if more people did this activity? And I think that's where it comes from of like, man, if, 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 running can can be one step towards being a little bit more equitable in in our city and and um getting people on a, on a similar playing level playing field um can that make our city a little bit better and that's certainly a little naive but i think it's a step in the right direction and and if we're one kind of sub industry in that who else is going to kind of step up and 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 do that next in the 
craft beer world or the ultimate frisbee world or the you know whatever it might be if we all kind of start taking little stabs at it how cool can it be well you gotta think too one thing i love about the running community is from my experience now there's there's assholes in every group you know my my buddy travis has said it best any take any group of people 10 percent of that group is shitbags but 90 percent <laughs> Are, are good people. You got the 10 I like shit bags more than assholes. I think that's a better description. Yeah, go, you can use that. Use that. Uh, so 10, okay. 10%. But but the running, what I love about the running community is running builds that bond, right? That that suffering, that shared suffering builds builds a tight bond. And you're and if you create a a running community that looks like Charlotte as 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 a as a whole, you're creating opportunities as well. Because the folks that have those opportunities, because we all know that sometimes an opportunity is not what you know, it's who you know. And bringing people from all avenues together can create opportunities for, for, you know, for, for growth. Just get connected so much faster. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and it kind of, one thing you hit on there too, that, um, I think we joked about more in like the beer side of the world, but I think running does it too. And it's something we talked about, you know, we were, we were uh, talking about homeless population in Charlotte earlier. Um, and to kind of bring it back to that or full circle it a little bit, one of the things we recognize with this, this nonprofit, who's another one of our, our, our second beneficiary of the three um, is when you, when you show up to a run and, and this running works is the name of it. Um, when they would show up with, with neighbors, um, as we call it, or the, some of the homeless population, mm-hmm. or at least battling homelessness right now, let's say it that way. Um, they, you, you didn't know because at the end of the run, every single person is sweaty right. and you, you have no idea. You're all on a playing level of like that hill just fucking sucked. Does everyone agree with me? Great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care what you did the rest of the day. That hill just sucked. And it's, and you're, and you're back to level, you're back to even. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's, what's kind of fun about running. It just becomes, uh, we said this about beer, but I say about running too. It's a, it's a social lubricant. It just, it gets the, the conversation started and, and you can, joke about the shit bag or you can joke about the humidity and and whatever it is. And then next thing, you know, you know, you're connecting dots, like you're saying and things like that. So it's just the running community is a, is a beautiful thing. Uh, one of the things too, I like is the, the features first timers club training program. Um, because you, you think that running seems simple enough, right? You put one foot in front of the other and you kind of try to do as fast as you possibly can, but there is a, a level of intimidation um, for people who may want running to be a part of their life, but they're scared of of what people will think um, because they they think all all runners are these you know real thin, super fast skinny assholes. And and the fact is we're, we're not. Um, but but there's that there's that this intimidation factor. And what do I do? How do I get from where I am now? You know, get not a breath going to get the mail to conquering this achievement of 5K, 10K, half marathon or whatever. What was the thought behind that first uh, timers training club? And, and what does what does that look like? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I think you, you hit the nail on the head there with a lot of that, too. It's um, if, if you have $40 and you need to go get three different things today, where does running fall on that list or, or signing up for a running race? It's, it's gotta be pretty low. Right. So what if we could take that barrier of entry out and say, you know what, we just want you to come try this thing and hopefully you'll get hooked. I don't know, but we'd like to think if we can set this experience up appropriately and you're prepared for race day, mm-hmm. 
you'll come back or you might want to be a cheerleader next year, as in like go start a cheer station. You might want to be a volunteer next year, but I'd like to think that we brought you into the fold a little bit and right. you kind of see this community and there's some fun to be had here. And maybe you tell the next person about it. Um, and we've, and we've totally seen that. Um, it's been fun, but yeah, I mean, the thought was, was kind of that it was kind of, how do we get new people into the industry? How can we, how can we bring some new people in and, and, knock down some barriers of, of price and different points of it. So now it's, we have a, um, a 10 week training program that's on our website that everyone can access and see. Um, but then we take it to the next step with this, this first timers club. And um, we, we try to hold hands as much as we can during it and say, Hey, look, here's a weekly newsletter. I'm going to shoot out to you and only you. We have kept this group small purposefully to make it more intimate. Email me whenever you want. Here's my cell phone number. Call me, text me. <clears throat> but I also want, everyone else to connect. So let's meet up every two weeks. Let's go to a different brewery run club or this meetup or whatever it might be. Um, let me show you different parts of the course. Let's talk about like how to work in an aid state or how to work in a station when you get to it. Like how do you pick up the water and not spill it all over yourself? Yeah. Like we've all done. Yeah. Um, and, and things like that, like goofy stuff and, and talking about some of that basic pieces of, of a running race or, or, or running in general. Um, and it's going well. I mean, it's, it's, it's so fun. Uh, again, I, I feel like I've said that a lot tonight, but it, it, it really is because you, you get back to the core of it. You don't, you're not talking about splits and, and percentage grade and your gap and right. your yeah rate of perceived effort and everything else. It's like, I don't know. Did you have fun? We sweat a lot. Sure. Let's go have a beer. Great. Easy. When you did this, when you launched this program and you personally get to know these new runners and you get to be a part of their story, their, their running journey as a race director, you know, you know, you've got thousands of people crossing the finish line. Do do you witness or or do you try to 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 at least see a couple of those folks from that first timers club cross the finish line? And and what does that feel like for you as the race director slash coach slash you know gateway drug dealer of the world of running? <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Uh, it's it's amazing. And I, I will say, uh, first thing, I am I am not the coach. I I have some background in that mm -hmm. side of things but we do bring in the professionals here and we work with a, a local company uh called forward motion that does a lot of that for us and they're amazing um but seeing seeing anyone cross the finish line is is emotional already and 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 it's so fun and, and cheerful and everything else but when you know it's that person in their situation like yeah I'll, I'll take a little bit longer for the sweaty hug right now and i'll take a few more sweaty hugs um and it's yeah it's it's it's, it's so fun. Uh, I, I, I tried to hesitate going back to saying that again, but I have no other way to explain it other than like, it's just pure joy really for both sides of it. And, and I think when they realize how close you can be to the small business, it just becomes that much more intimate in a, in a massively positive way too. As you talk about all the things that <clears throat> your race does and how it's different and, and the things you want to approach and kind of your reasons for wanting to do this, I'm a, I'm a real believer in karma. And I don't mean <laughs> karma from the Western sense of the idea of this cosmic reward and punishment system, but the energy you put out into the world, the positive or negative, will eventually come back to you, not in the form of a million dollars or a prison sentence, but it just, you know, that sort of thing. It seems to me, correct me if I'm wrong, your intention of doing this was not profit. No, no, it's not. And the energy I, I seemed think. to be service. The energy was 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 change and service and community building. Totally. Uh, yeah, it's 
It's a hundred percent that. And I, and I agree with you with karma. I think I, what I called it earlier was blind optimism. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think some of that too. Um, yeah. I, I, and I, I think it's one of those things too, where I 1 million percent have to thank my wife for being okay with that, that a lot of the business decisions we make are not based on profit and money. Um, and, and some of that to, to be fully transparent is we have amazing sponsors that are able to come in from a, from a cash standpoint and help us with some of that. And they, the bigger picture there is they understand what I'm doing is not to bring in the masses. We are, we are really trying to have a conversation and a relationship with every runner that's coming in and they get that we're really working on quality over quantity and quantity is probably going to come with that, but we're going to start with quality and, and see where it goes from there. And, there's so many little pieces that have come into that. And, and when we send out emails, um, we send out newsletters decently often every two weeks or so, but we'll typically like talk about our sponsors in a very intimate way and say like, Hey, next time you see them or like you see an employee wearing this, like honestly go thank them because what their company is doing for us right. is, is beyond what you can imagine. Sure. I, I, I should probably say this because I'm supposed to give them so many mentions and so many email right, right. outputs and all that stuff. But like, understand that they fully believe in the running community because they believe in all my stupid ideas that seem to be working out well. And the good energy that we're putting out there is, is coming back in a couple ways. And it's, 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 gosh, I'll, I'll say a couple things here just to kind of like tail onto that one when we were working on our sponsors and, and what we wanted this race to be, it tailed into the rest of it of let's focus on Charlotte. So we have two sponsors that are outside of Charlotte and the other I don't know, like 10, 12 are all Charlotte. They're all within the gosh, 15 miles of the race. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Brooks who obviously we don't have a running store, a running company in Charlotte right. or in the East coast really. So we had to go out for that. And then the other one's a, um, a coffee brand out of South Carolina um, that that we love, and they have a runner. They they started the Low Impact Alliance. Yeah, that we'll we'll talk about it a bit, but um, the runners high coffee, but it's um it's it's back to that focus on Charlotte. And they actually care about the runner. Um, and I know I got a little off topic there from the good karma, but it's we we feel it back too. We feel that when you yeah when you put it out there and you're transparent like we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets shoved right back at you, and you love it. Well, it obviously, it's worked out because I p- people can't see this because it's audio only. But Brian is not recording this interview in the back seat of a busted station wagon. You know, the, the, the decorations. Your wife did a fine job decorating whatever room you're in. It looks like a very nice house, from what I can you, see. Um, you, you see uh, about one tenth of this room, and this is our like den, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Where it's an extra bed for when in-laws come. It is toys scattered all over the floor. It is mm-hmm. a it is a minefield when I walk out of here. <laughs> You're getting a, a very tiny glimpse of a corner where we keep it clean every now and then. Like we should hang some pictures back here and make it look like maybe we have a nice house that's not destroyed by kids. Dude, I know. I've got four teenagers in the house right now. It's a mess. <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah, absolutely. I've, um, I've been there. Um, yeah, but yeah. So the talk about the low impact alliance for a minute. There is a lot of waste. We were talking about this again before we we started recording. Yeah. So um, it's, it's we, crazy. We jump on that pretty early. So we, and I think you referenced it before, and I, I'm um, only saying this to make sure to give credit where credit is due. We were not like the, com- we were not the family that started or the company that started. We were like a kind of a founding member of it as in right. like someone started and say, Hey, any other crazy businesses out there think that sustainability should be a thing in racing. We kind of raised our hand. We're like, mm-hmm. we're, we're working on that over here. Like we'd love to be a part of this. And we help kind of drive the event side of it. So the low impact Alliance 
kind of has like three arms. You have one arm, which is the the vendor, the the Brooks, the On, the Adidas, the all those guys kind of making the product that has a lot of waste to it. Then you have the local running shop, the the Dick Sporting Goods, all those guys, and then you have like the event side of the industry. So I get to kind of play in that realm uh, with some other race directors from California, and and working on some some check boxes for other other races to to look into and try to show them that. You, you don't need to change the world tomorrow to be a little more sustainable. Like what, what things can you do to start taking it to the next step? Um, one of the small ones, I feel like I've mentioned a couple of times this year, cause it's something we're changing and I wish I had a bib here to show you, but we're changing our race bibs this year and just cutting them in half. So it's like our, our sponsors can still fit on it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's almost more of like a, um, like a chimney on its side would be a way yeah. to think about it. The race number is still the same size. So from a photography standpoint and all the tagging, it's still hundred percent works. It's actually easier when it sits on you because it doesn't like kind of fold over with your body. Right. Um, and we're using half the paper and we're, and so that means we're spending half the amount of money. Um, it's a lot better from a waste standpoint. Um, and, and we've been looking and researching into ways on, on how to recycle Tyvek. If people use Tyvek bibs and things like that. And we've, we found out a lot, but it's like, we're not, taking away bibs and we're not able to completely do that, but here's one step to, to reduce it in half. And it's just cutting them in half, cutting the actual paper in half. And so there's some of these pieces that are um, kind of just like when you, when you think of them, when you hear them, you, you just kind of hit yourself like, man, why, why have we not changed this yet? Um, Which is so funny that you, you say that you, you cut the bib in half when you go to an ultra race and we'll tie this into ultras in a second. Yeah, most people fold their bibs into this tiny little rectangle that is only the number. So there's this just this tiny little space that you have on your shorts. All when you of fall that, off the cliff, they can identify you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. All of that, all of that wasted paper. You would think that smaller bibs would just kind of become the norm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and to keep it in the ultra world. One of the things that that I, I recognized when I was at the Whitewater Center, where we mainly did trail races and, and ultra, we had a um, we had a 50k, a 50 miler, and a there's a full marathon out there too. Mm-hmm. But um, also, you know, down to the 5ks and yeah. 10ks and all that stuff. But one of the things I recognized out there that we started doing was um, coupless water stops. So you either, you know, you'd have your own handheld, or you'd have to wear a, um, a vest or something like that. Or there were cups there, but they were reusable cups. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and starting to play into that, and, and the technology has changed so much even since my time as race directing out there. And now we use a company um, out of Florida called Hiccup. And um, they pretty much like ship you these cups and, or, or they'll drive them if they're close enough and they have another race in the area. And um, you, you drink out of them like you normally would, you throw them in a trash can like you normally would, but that trash can is not a trash can. It's a can where they collect everything. They take it to like a hotel washing machine, pretty much like the industrial style steam clean, clean them and get them ready for the next race. So there's wow. no waste on the course from a cup standpoint. And, and part of that too, like, original idea was we didn't want these cups that are up on a highway which is kind of raised above the city so the wind up there is a little bit more Mm -hmm. these cups would blow all throughout charlotte yeah so we're like oh we can't do that like you know what's what's kind of a fix to this a little bit and we were able to knock out two birds with one stone type of deal um and it was it was fun and then we just started thinking more about like all right if if we're gonna do that with the water stops how can we take out more waste? Like, let's not use just those five gallon plastic buckets that you kind of reuse, but kind of don't like, is there a better way to do that? Um, and we started uh, talking to Charlotte water, our local municipality about hooking into the hydrants. So now we're able to, we, we're um, that inaugural year we did, we're still working back towards it. There's some pandemic issues there, but um, hooking into the hydrants where they would um, 
put them on the annual flushing and cleaning schedule around our race. So they would flush them, test them, flush them, test them like they would normally do. So we're not wasting water. They just put it on the schedule of our race week. And we know the water was clean and good to go. And we just pump it into um, the cup. So we had like a massive hose pretty much. And we were using pitchers to, to do it. It was so fun. Wow. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Silly stuff of like, I think it's another one of those things where you, you put it out there and say, Hey, we want to be different and we want to be sustainable. Someone's going to throw you a crazy idea. So I, I mean, I can't take credit for a lot of these. It's just, you tell people you want to do these things and someone's like, Hey, have you seen this random race in Idaho that does this? Have you seen this race in Vermont that does that? And like you bring them all together. Well, being a, a good leader isn't being the person who comes up with all the ideas. It's the person who recognizes a great idea and helps to make it a reality. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll, I'll agree there for sure. And, and I've had great leaders in my life in the past that mm-hmm. have definitely taught me and, and shown me things like that. But there's, yeah, there's a couple initiatives on the sustainability side that we have been doing. And now through the Low Impact Alliance, we are trying to share that with other race directors because it's that idea of the, the rising tide floats all boats. Mm-hmm. There's no reason I need to keep these secrets. I need let's share them and, and make this whole place better. And someone else is going to have a better idea that maybe they'll push back our way, hopefully. Uh, and what can that look like? What about nutrition on the, on the course when you've got these, these gel packets, you can't reuse them. What are some ideas for reducing the waste when it comes to gel packets? Yeah. Um, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind there, we, we do not have gel packets on ours, mainly because we're a 10 K. Right. Uh, it's yes. It's in the summer of Charlotte. Um, uh, but it's, we do not have that. Um, what, what, the first thing that comes to mind there though, is that a lot of that is done through, um, oh, why can't I think of try, uh, the, the recycling program that they have on TerraCycle. Okay. Um, so, so one thing that we've done with TerraCycle is one of, not to bring it back to sponsorship and make this like a full business, you know, talk, but one of our sponsors is our local Subaru dealership who has a connection with TerraCycle and they've done a lot of TerraCycling for us, be that bibs or, or race goo mm-hmm. and things like that. But, that, I would say that's one outlet if someone's, you know, trying to look into how to do that. Um, but what we've done is um, at our, if, if we're putting out food at our aid stations, is we try to make them um, like, you know, whole foods, like fruits and veggies. So the first year we did um, strawberries and, and bananas and we had composting buckets out there. Um, so people would, would eat strawberries and have the butt end and like shoot them in like basketball pretty much as they're running by the uh, aid station. <laughs> and that year we had a sponsor that had like a title, like a red, it was a, the company's called red ventures. So yeah. we decided to like partner up the strawberries with the red ventures. We made this whole red section. There was a red carpet, there was red balloons, there's red strawberries. And we just had a blast with that. And um, they loved it. And it was, it was, it was so fun. So we now implemented composting at aid stations and then at the finish line um, in hopes to have, we're not, we're not there yet. There are races that do it, but hoping to have like a zero waste race. Um, and, and kind of what can that look like and going down that avenue, there are some races that do it and it's extremely impressive. Do you think at some point around the crown will be completely carbon neutral and, and waste free? I, I would like to think so mainly through just the carbon offset programs that are getting put in place of working with like a local carbon offset program where, um, and I've honestly seen this through the Chicago Marathon. I mean, one of the largest races in the world does this. And I think it's the, the coolest thing ever that um, I think some people would look at this as like, oh, it's another ask for money. But I'm starting to see more and more companies do this, which will normalize it of when you're going through registration and you say you're coming from here and you're going to fly this way, they'll calculate what your carbon footprint will be. Mm-hmm. And then you can donate to this nonprofit that will 
give you your carbon offsets. Oh, okay. Tell, tell you pretty much, hey, we're planting this many trees or we're going to build this many solar panels with it and things like that. And that's how a lot of events are becoming um, carbon neutral, uh, which is which is awesome. So we've been researching in North Carolina, what is a legit program? What do we want that money to go towards? Because there, there are a lot of programs out there and you want to make sure that it's, it's going to the right place and it's doing something that fits your mission for sure. All right. As a race director of a race that's accomplished a lot of goals you set out to accomplish of being more inclusive and and bringing more people into the fold, being an ultra runner yourself, what do you think? And I don't want you to toot your own horn because you've done some, I mean, don't, don't think like that. Don't be like, oh, I don't want to brag about myself. But you have implement, implemented some really fantastic ideas, some revolutionary ideas. And even if they weren't your original idea, you saw them and, and implemented them. What are some things that you would like to see the ultra running community and ultra races incorporate to kind of accomplish those goals that you set out for your own races of of having the the, the running community look more like the community as a whole uh, and and being more inclusive yes um that's a good question and i, I i'll be honest i I was getting a little nervous as you were asking because I was like, man, I don't know if I'm going to answer here. I hope I do, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, some, some easy ones come to mind of like, yeah, sure, all races should be coupless and things like that. Um, one of the things I saw recently, and, and I think this is this could be a controversial statement, so I think it's open to discussion similar to um, birthday cake goo and if it's good or not, but we'll, we'll go down that path for sure. One all of right. the things I saw recently that was an interesting way to look at in a different um, different side of the story, which I always love, even if I don't agree with it, I want to hear that side. Right. So I, I'm at least more open-minded on it um, was the fact that ultra running doesn't have um, prizes. There's, there's no, there's no money in it. I mean, the hard rock just happened and, and what did Courtney DeWalter get like a couple hundred bucks? Like, I don't think it was anything crazy. Was yeah, it? Yeah. I think it was a coupon for a free meal at the, at the local restaurant. I think. Yeah. yeah. I hop. Thanks so much. <laughs> right. Free stack of pancakes coming your way, Courtney. Um, a yeah, rooty tooty, fresh and fruity at the Silverton uh, Dennis. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, as soon as I say that, I think I just realized that I think hard rock is like one of the larger ones actually. But it, mm. when you say that and you compare it to a Boston, it's like they give a purse of $10,000 for all top five male and female. So each person might get $1,200. Right. And it's like, yeah, you know they're they're making their money through sponsorship. Killian Jornet is is now no 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 normal. Right. Um, was Solomon and all that, but like that's that's where the money's at. But for some of these, and this is how the story was kind of told to me of wherever I was reading, and maybe you you saw this recently too, was like if you look at the marathon and who's dominating that, you're looking at East African countries. They're only able to get into it because there's money in it because. Mm-hmm they can supplement their family and, and and have an income in this. If we want these legit runners that are crushing the marathon to get into ultra running, like we've got to give them that Avenue and, it, and it's got to be some prize based thing. So is there any chatter to adding awards to it or, or you know, does that take away the, yeah, the crunchiness of, I, cause I see that side of it too. Like, no, nah, like we're just a bunch of dirt bags. Like we just roll up right. and I get, I get that side. I really do. So I don't, I honestly, I don't know where I stand, but I think it's worth the conversation mm-hmm. of if we add that, will there be more competition in the sport? And will a Kipchoge come to the, the ultra side of things and just start crushing Western States records? But will that in doing that, cause all trying to lose its soul of being this, yeah. this world where, the guy or the guy and gal who are going to win the race are lined up right next to the guy and gal that are going to come in dead last. 
and it's all one group where you look at professional road running i'm sorry but the gal or guy who's going to finish dead last at the boston marathon will never see the, the guy is going to win him. Right. They'll like, ne- at, never see it. the start line. Not right. the start line. Yeah. They're yeah. not even allowed anywhere near them. And then there's yeah. there's different, there's there's advantages afforded to elites. And it kind of, what I like about ultra running is there is, there's a less of an us and them atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And it's more of a just, a just an us. Is it possible though that perhaps lowering the barrier of entry into yeah. the ultra world is a yeah, way might, of getting more people in it. Yeah. Um, or even just I, a, a, a giving people a, like awareness. This is what this is. Having inclusive trail runs, like op- like starting trail runs for people that have never done it before. Like, hey, yeah. this is a real easy place to, f- to figure it out. Having these group runs and trying to reach out to areas who may, uh, you know, not have even thought of, of trail mm-hmm. running. Yeah, totally. And I, and I think that's starting to happen. I think brands are starting to do that, which is super exciting. Um, I, I think it gets back to maybe the core of what I'm bringing up again, like not, I, 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 I haven't read enough and, and learned enough on it to really choose a side here, but I think the core of it is um, just getting more diversity in, in the running world. Uh, again, it, like I talk about my start starting line, it's, it's all white males lined up and it, you know, it was, and I, I, I would like to work towards um, changing that, mm-hmm. what could that look like in the trail scene? We've seen just from a speaking of like a gender diversity, we've seen now like what females are doing in the ultra trail world. Right. And it's, it's absurd. Uh, I mean, not only did Courtney Waller get first place, not only did she break the course record, she was sixth overall right. at Hard Rock or something like that. Yep. Like, I mean, she is destroying it. And it's so fun to think about the idea of going back to like, the four minute mile. We didn't think it was possible until someone did it. And then once one person did it, 10 more did it the next right. year. Same thing with, you know, what you assume is going to happen with the two hour marathon. We've seen someone can do it now on optimum conditions, not a legal course or anything like that, but like mentally, I know it's now breakable. So same thing. And, and like, you think of it from a, a gender, from a race, from a culture, all that stuff. Like once we start seeing people do it, that look like us or sound like us, more people will get into it. So what could brands do to, and and I'm going to, I'm going to push it more to the brand side than a race director Mm -hmm. side of it. The brands do to bring some diversity into the, the ultra running world, the trail running world. And there, there's totally some big brands doing it. Um, And that's awesome to see it. We just need to keep pushing the envelope. And keep on pushing it until okay. until we see a little a little more diversity uh, in the yeah. world of watching. Because you're right, uh, running. We've talked about the positives of running, but I, I I just feel that the ultra running scene seems to amplify those positive aspects of running yeah. more more so than any other running scene. So if we had more people getting positive on that run happy spirit, as we were calling it earlier, like how how cool is that? Like I mean, when you're out there and you're dying walking up a hill backwards because your quads don't work anymore right you see someone and you smile and laugh and it's like you don't do that anywhere else like it's so silly um and just getting more people to to witness that and experience that and feel that i think is just positive for our community if that's in charlotte or if that's in tennessee or if that's uh, at a silly race in arizona um i think it's i think it's good for the world so what do you do now do you, have you given thought to expanding your empire of races and maybe <laughs> dipping your toe into the world of 
ultra running race directing and, and kind of seeing what you can do in that avenue? It, again, great question. And I don't know if I've been asked that outside of my wife and a couple of just randos here and there, but um, I don't think we want to do any more races in the sense of what we do them right now, mm-hmm. as in large scale, thousands of people buttoned up all that, because I miss what we were just talking about on the trail side of things. Yeah. Like I, I love the, the, the junkie side of it and like, Hey guys, it's uh, uh 10 bucks. I think there's a porter potty over there. The start line is I just threw it in the sand. I'll see you later. Right. And that's the race. Like I, I miss that side of it for sure. So if I do any more races, it'll definitely be like on that side of it. And there's some, there's some other race directors here in town that I, I see them every now and then I'm just so jealous of them because that's the setup they have. And it's, Oh, it's so fun. Um, Brian, yeah, there's a great ahead. race here in Tennessee, I'm going to send you an email. You need to do it because that is yeah. exactly what it is. And I, I'll, 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 I'll message. Well, I'll just tell everybody what it is. It's up yeah. Chuck. You need to sign up for the up, up Chuck 50 K. Right. It's, it's, that in, sounds, that sounds familiar. It's outside of Chattanooga and uh, starts okay. in Saudi Daisy. Um, and it is old school. It is, there's, there's no bibs. They write your number on your leg with a Sharpie. Why not? Yeah, that's and, perfect. And there's no timing, Matt. You end your race by hitting a garbage can next to a picnic table, and then you write your your race time on a piece of cardboard. That's amazing. So like you, that that sounds like what I want to do. Yeah, um, yeah. But outside of that, the other thing that we've we've started discussing. I mean, there's there's a couple avenues we're looking at. Like we're somewhat working on like a co working space of people in the industry that nonprofits would kind of work at that are in the running industry, like Girls on the Run and Let Me Run and things like that. Um, we've played in that realm. We've talked about do we want to open up a bakery that just serves the running community? And like, how fun would that be? Neither my wife or I know how to cook anything, but <laughs> it'd be pretty cool because I feel like every bakery should have a water fountain outside of it that works 24 seven, even in the winter. Like why not? Yeah, um, yeah, and that, sure. that should totally happen. Yeah. Or it, a coffee shop should be open before 6am because people are out running and you need some coffee. Yeah. Um, things, yeah. Silly stuff like that. But I think the overarching thing we've really discussed um I'm kind of first time saying this like out loud or publicly or whatever you want to put it, but um, there's not a, there's not a massive, I don't want to say running club because there's, there's Charlotte running club here in Charlotte and they are amazing. And I love what they do. Um, I, I think who they're serving is the elite side, which needs to be served. We need that elite group to, to meet up. I don't think it's, fully serving the whole community of, of Charlotte going back to the idea of wanting the race to look like your start line. I want, I want a, I want a local club, a, a cohort of whatever you want to call it to, to look like our community where all are welcome and celebrated is probably the easiest way to put it. Um, but something like that, I don't know what that is. I mean, my mind goes to a, an Atlanta track club style thing or something mm-hmm. like that, but that's probably much larger than, than we'll ever get in the next couple decades. But something that's working towards some greater goals in Charlotte. Like what if this, this run club cohort thing we're talking of, what everyone collective is a nonprofit that's raising money to finally have an indoor track in Charlotte. There's, there's to, to get to a solid indoor track in Charlotte, you're traveling hours, which is insane to me. It's the largest city in North Carolina. Right. Like how do we, how are our high schools traveling so far to do these things? And they're going to cities that are much smaller than ours. Right. But what, there's just ways to build out the Charlotte running community and for it to operate with the local government much better. There are some policies in place that do not allow the the running community to do a lot of things. And I think the relationship with the local government is not wonderful right now. And I don't mean it in like a bad way. It's just, we're not looked at as a 
a Hornets basketball game or a Panthers football game. And I understand why, because mm-hmm. there's no race that's at that level, right. but you're not looking at the entire community. So what if all of us came to you and said, Hey, look, we're 40,000 strong and we're running every single day. Uh, greenways are packed. The races are happening. Our running stores are thriving. And we're all coming to you and saying, what, how can Charlotte help us out? What can you, how can we make Charlotte more of a running destination and can a, a collective do that? Um, and it's a combination of the, the runners in town, the businesses that are in town, meaning like a, like a features, they're headquartered in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. There's recover brands. They make the recycled shirts that we use. There's, there's a couple of large brands in Charlotte. There's gosh, I don't even know where we're at now. 10, 15 running stores, like locally owned running stores that are thriving and doing great. Like why can't we all come together and say, check us out, Charlotte. Like let's, let's make this one of our pillars. You know, it just popped into my head, Brian. I, I want to end on this because there's, there's a lot of great stuff, and this has been a fun conversation. Uh, learned a lot, inspired a lot. I, it, this is just so cool. Before you change the world, you have to change your community, <laughs> and and I think you've you've taken the first steps to changing your community, and I think you're putting things in place that will, and maybe you won't see this in your lifetime. I, I won't see it in mine. But but are gonna they're gonna change the world at least of running um, for the better and I, I I thank you and salute you for that Brian Mister <laughs> hell of a chat there oh, man it was fun and it's I think I I get inspired by talking to you and hearing other things as well and, and it's just you get passionate about it because uh, we love the sport and you wanted to see it to thrive like we we're talking about your your newborn baby you want everyone to kiss it and hug it and love it and mm-hmm. just just be enamored with that thing. Um, and, and I think that when there's people in the industry working together to do things like that, whatever industry it might be, then it's just going to grow. Um, I appreciate the talk. It's been really fun, Ryan. Thank you. Adventurejogger.com for back episodes. There's gear as well. Even join the Adventure Jogger race team. Jerseys available. Everybody is welcome. We are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search the Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode.